When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala, and I know uh, entirely too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Our giggly co-host, as always, who's with me and knows more about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame than she ever thought she would, Kristen Studdard. Hello. Hi. That is a factual statement. Mm -hmm. I do know more than I ever thought I would, and I'm learning more each day. Good thing I keep the bottom open so that I can drop out the some of the knowledge has to drop out and get Mm -hmm. replaced by new knowledge. Yeah. And as we know, that knowledge, uh, sometimes it can drop out within a week's time. Truly. (laughs) It's an exciting time for our podcast, as you know. The ballot is out, which means that we are doing special coverage of the 2020 class of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees. Do you put music under that when you say it? Of course I do. You do? Okay, cool. I don't listen to our podcast, so it's... uh, All right. We have... to get caught up. Because it's a special time for our podcast and we're covering the nominees, we have a very special guest with us. Very excited to have him. A former all-music writer. Uh, you might know him as Hollywood Steve, the host of the acclaimed, uh, I don't know if it's award-winning, but it should be, uh, web series Yacht Rock, Steve Huey. Hello. It, it's it's great to be here. I don't think we ever won any awards, but... Uh, if there had been Webbies back then, I think yes, shoo-in. Yes. Way back in 2005, 2006, I think we... We would have been guaranteed to win, you know, best uh, copyright infringement, uh, <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah, I was watch. So if if people don't know what I would say, early days of YouTube, very early when there was very precious little uh, narrative content on YouTube, <laughs> mm-hmm. came out of the uh, Channel One Hundred One series here in Los Angeles, which is basically five minute shorts and then tv it, shows basically yeah, yeah. yeah. and then it, it it's kind still of, going on at the downtown independent yes mm-hmm. and but this in particular kind of blew up uh yes. online this went quasi viral that way back in the day i mean i know the term yacht rock what is the web series yacht rock about well the web series coined the term we okay, that's i was a lot of people I don't know that anymore that. Because okay. now it, it is just used willy-nilly yeah. in all sorts of Wikipedia entries Boy, or articles. Boy, it sure is. <laughs> and it was coined by... So I'll give you the opportunity to explain the Yacht Rock web series and the role you played in it. So I was uh, the the uh, the Yacht Rock web series was uh, the product of some brainstorming amongst my friends who then asked me to host the, uh, the web series because I was a former all-music writer. Um, yeah, you had the critical background. Yes, to I had. I had the, uh, I had the, the credibility to uh, to put over these uh, completely made up stories 
and uh, it was just some brains. Originally, they were going to do a, a show about like jewel thieves who lived on a houseboat and have a soundtrack by like Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald. And eventually, that idea turned. They're like, why what don't, would the genre of music be that that would be? Why don't we <laughs> just make the show about the music because nobody pays. Like a lot of people like this music, but it's all kind of in secret because it's not really critically respected. Why don't we just make the show about this music that we all like? Mm-hmm. So and is it like a docu series? It's, type? it's like, a, like a made up a mocu series. Well, it's a it's a you know it's a very goofy, almost like dramatization of what potentially could have happened between characters like Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald and Holland Oates. Uh, it's a lot of the very intense personal drama that goes into writing soft rock masterpieces. Oh, that sounds great. Maybe I, I maybe I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> we you guys could use a couple of views, right? Have you, oh, sure. Have yeah. You monetized. Uh, <laughs> we 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 are we're terrible at advertising it. We we don't know how it went viral in the first place, but like there are still people saying, "Oh, I just saw that for the first time." Is it monetized? Are you guys? Oh no, a we can't coin monetize it. it. Oh. We, we, Especially because it has oh, of the, music. the songs. We use it. a lot of other people's copyrighted right. music in it, so we cannot make money off of it. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, it, it's, it's. I mean, it's north of uh, a million views on YouTube. Nice. The, the first episode. Yeah. And uh, Steve's role is the host at the very beginning. Who kind of brings you into before you flash the Robert back. Stack of this in a sense, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, of, yes. of unsolved mysteries, of unsolved fame. mysteries, yeah. fame. That's, yeah, that's okay. my role. Yeah, talking to the person on the couch, yeah. saying what you're about to see. Dot dot dot. The very first episode, I'm coming to you live from my music nook. There we go. Which we which we set up. There's a lot of records in the music nook. A lot of artwork, of some record players, and. You know, everything you would need for a music nook, basically. Yeah. Oh, I mean, right. I get it. You say music nook, I'm there, I'm there. baby. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm my transported. brain, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm in the nook. Another thing that I recognize you from, and I think other people would recognize you from, is being a VH1 talking head. Yeah, and that came directly out of Yacht Rock, because mm-hmm. they, uh, at some point, I, I forget which year it was, but they decided, like, let's do one of our countdown shows. They didn't do it. It, it wasn't 100 greatest, but it was the... 40 most soft-sational soft rock songs. That is such a... <laughs> VH1, you've done it again. Yeah. They even wrote a jingle for it. 40 most soft-sational soft rock songs. They really, they had a thing and they... Just they burned it to the ground. down on it, tripled down on it, burned it to the ground and salted the earth. Yeah. You <laughs> know. And now nothing can be like that ever <laughs> no, again. They, I mean, we gotta ran, wait 20 years before we could do stuff mm, like that. They again. ran out of ideas for countdowns because they kept having me back after that like I, I was working as a logger for reality shows at the time and i was listening to all these people try and fail to give sound bites and oh, it sort of okay. trained me like i was like, like a logger so oh. you were just felling the giant trees of reality yeah. television <laughs> not in the lumberjack sense in the uh you were video. logging the in video the, in the interview transcriptionist yeah. sense of right. the, uh, of the yeah. term so you you came from a perspective where you knew exactly what you had to say to get on air and to give them what they wanted yes what and you could and cut th- and and it and it turned out that I was a lot more willing than other people to give them good bites about artists that nobody wanted to publicly admit to liking. 
so that was very useful that you like what's a give me some good radio what's what's yeah, a so, good sound yes yes set us up say. with like an example of an artist like you just said that maybe someone wouldn't want to admit to liking and then what maybe you would potentially say okay so like in the hundred greatest songs of the 90s i think is something like number <laughs> number 98 was uh nelson can't live without your love and affection <laughs> oh my god which i think is a fucking great song and so i i was willing to go into the studio and to stand up on camera and scream at the camera that it was a fucking great song and everyone who pretended that it wasn't was just trying to like pretend they were cooler than they actually are something like that nice you threw everybody else under the bus exactly when they deserved it exactly mm-hmm. because it's a great song so nice of you to stand up for am i really going to call nelson the little guy but yeah how how brave the 98th greatest song of the 90s <laughs> and and i mean you are a a music critic so it's not like you're even taking it to the way people often do with more populist music where they go the fucking critics never got it you are a critic you were a critic yeah however just, you want to I, I may i might still be a critic if i could make a living at being a critic which is extremely difficult nowadays like i follow a number of critics on twitter that shit these guys are way better writers than i ever was and they can't make a living at it what what the hell hope is there for yeah for me at this point with sure. music journalism the way it is mm-hmm but would you? How did you get your start in uh, music journalism? I got fucking lucky because the All Music Guide uh, at at that time, the world's largest online music database. I'm not sure whether it still is, but it certainly was at that time. Uh, that started in my crappy little hometown of Big Rapids, Michigan. Okay. And if you were an oddball in Big Rapids, you kind of eventually found your way to that company. And one of my friend's moms worked there doing data entry, and I was kind of looking for a summer job, and I was I was about to start majoring in English. I had, like, just crazy anal retentive copy editing skills. I'd been to the National Spelling Bee. Um, <laughs> you, wait, hold, uh, record scratch, insert record scratch, uh, wait. You were at the Scripps National Spelling Bee? Yes, the- I, was, I, I finished 29th in the 1989 Scripps Howard National <laughs> Spelling Bee. Hell yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I did it. Do you, of course, you know the word that you spelled out on, but we have to yes. know. Um, and also the, the phrase spelled out, I know that because I, too, was a speller. Damn. <laughs> what did so you- the, word I, the word I got out on was indefeasible. Whoa. I N I would guess I N D E F E A S I B L E. Yeah, that's I, that's what that I would, is correct. That's what I would do as well. Uh, yeah. Did you do A B L E? No, I think I did I N. I either did I N D A or I N D I. Okay. Oh. Like it was feasible, but it was uh, from India. Just, <laughs> yeah. Or it was just half. It was half. You know, died. Right. Okay. Sorry, we really got off. Uh, the track we're going back to Big Rapids, but all, so, so I got hired. Yeah, so I got hired as a copy editor. And did did, did your uh, appreciation for music play a role in your hiring? Was that something you were thinking of? I think it was more just I uh, like I knew I, I I wasn't a music writer at that point, but I knew I could proofread, and so that that's what got me in the door. And then the more I talked to people, and the more um, my tastes kind of 
got out, it was more like, wow, there's somebody on staff in-house who gives a shit about heavy metal. Nobody else on staff gives a shit about heavy metal at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it at that point was uh, was freelancers who, you know, it, it was very early in the uh, in the project. People were writing one or two line reviews for all the albums, and eventually over time that got expanded and, and more freelancers signed up. But at the time... You know, like, oh, well, I can just write two or three lines about Ozzy Osbourne's live tribute album. Like, that's pretty easy. I can Mm -hmm. do that. And so you became the metal guy, the metal specialist. I was one of the metal guys. I was I was the only in-house metal guy. What and is so tight is that you came on here to talk about house. the Doobie Brothers and like I just I like that's is, that's is great. Yeah, I came to soft rock <laughs> via heavy metal. Yeah, like, <laughs> as one does so classic route. <laughs> uh, it is appropriate, especially this year, that you're a metal guy because the ballot for the Rock and Roll oh, Hall of yeah. Fame this year yeah. is the most heavy metal, most hard rock ballot that has ever existed. The heaviest and the hardest ballot, man. Like, some of these guys have to have to get in this time. Some of them are gonna... Well, I think, or at just least all five. the votes get divided. <laughs> uh, so, then... I'm gonna give you the the gonna... list of the this year's nominees, and what I'm curious... What they're really trying to do is clear the way for Shaka Khan <laughs> with all of this. <laughs> to split, split the yeah. hard rock and let Shaka come right through. If that... So, Steve, if you had a ballot if I had a ballot, my top five. What what five would you vote for based on those nominees? Okay, so as a metal guy, I would double up. I would go Judas Priest and Motorhead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think of the metal bands on there, those are the two biggest no-brainers. Mo- most foundational. Like, yes, yeah. the most influential, the most important to that genre. Um, and, you know, kind of especially Motorhead, like... Motorhead comes on stage and they say, we're Motorhead. We play rock and roll. They play rock and roll. They should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of <laughs> yeah. Fame. And they're really good at it. I'm looking forward to our Motorhead episode where I learn almost anything about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll get uh, some I, like, information. I really am. You know what you're going to learn? A lot of the songs sound exactly the same, and they're all awesome. <laughs> they it's kind of like the Ramones, be, yeah. sort yeah. of, in that way. That, that makes sense. They found what worked, and they did it. Yes, they stuck they with it, it, and it was a good choice to do it. that. Good. All right. Perfect. All right, so we'll, we'll pick those two kind of foundational okay. metal acts. Um, I would also go for T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of... There's a lot of bands that were extremely influential over in the UK more so than in the United States, and I feel like a lot of those bands get short shrift. Yes, for sure. Uh, I was pleasantly stunned when Roxy Music got in last year. Yeah, we were too. Same. Yeah. No, who saw that coming? <laughs> Kristen predicted I it right predicted before I told it her, and then forgot that yeah. I predicted it. Uh, but that's true. There. The Hall of Fame is a very American institution, and often bands like Roxy Music or T-Rex don't get the recognition that they deserve because of the hyper-focus on American audiences. Yeah, and I I was kind of hopeful that they would get nominated this year because Def Leppard got in last year, and Def Leppard always points to T-Rex, like, this is our biggest influence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, it was mentioned uh, several times during the induction ceremony. Um, yeah, so t- and T Rex has been yeah. a that's like a long time snub. Like they've been eligible oh, yeah. for years and years. I mean, their first album. This is the first 60s. nomination they've had. Isn't it, it is, yeah. yeah. Like, like not even a nomination. And speaking of not even nominated until this year, I'm flabbergasted that this is the first nomination for Whitney Houston. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. this is yeah, like one of the be- the greatest singers of our lifetime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know if it's just like people being purists about the definition of rock and roll or just I don't know what it is. You but got a lot of things to work with on that one. You've yeah. got rockism, you got racism, and you got sexism. You got mm-hmm. them all, baby. And you've got a performer who can't be at the ceremony. Yeah. Right. They waited too long, as they have for so many of these mm-hmm. artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this year especially. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, this is a very dead, very heavy class. Yeah. <laughs> dead, and he- dead and heavy. D- just, like a, just like a body. Uh, ooh, wow. <laughs> Dark. Um, hey, it's Halloween. Week. So you'd pick Whitney for slot four? I would, yeah, I would pick Whitney for slot four because, I, I mean, I, so many of these artists have, a, at worst, a solid case to mm-hmm. get in. Um, but her, she's such an egregious snub that I would have to put her on my ballot. And um, the last one would be, of course, the one that I'm here to talk about today, which is the Doobie Brothers. The Perfect. Let's start to talk about the Doobie Brothers, and I mean specifically, we can put it in relation to yacht rock, which we've we discussed a little bit. But the 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 term again, not just popularized but coined, coined yes by you and the team, yes over at the web series. Do you remember when you first realized that people were using that term as though it was official? I th- the first the first time we realized people were even paying attention outside of the Channel 101 community was I think it was about after our fifth episode we we started summer of 05 did five episodes before the end of the year it was about once a month yeah it was once a month yeah Channel 101 goes once a month so you've mm-hmm. got like if you get if you get voted back by the audience you've got a month to make your next 5 minute episode and so we did five episodes and there was a year end break and Spin Magazine wrote us up for like a one-page article. Wow! And wow. not even just a blurb. No, like, yeah, like a, a page with pictures that were credited to Coco Goldstein. It was a good bit, um, <laughs> and everything. Uh, so that was the point where we were like, "Wait, what is what's what's happening here? Like, what's right. is what's there going a Wikipedia on? page there for is. Yacht Rock? Yeah, and absolutely. are you guys credited? Yes. You guys yes. are. There's actually separate pages for the genre and the web series now. They've they've split them up. Mm-hmm. But the, on the genre page, though, it does say and it links to the web yes. series. Right. Yeah, yes, which is uh, crazy. Yes, that's very cool. <laughs> and Michael McDonald has commented on it. Yes, he yeah, knows I, about it. Wait, he's com- believe... like a YouTube comment. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if you just be like, "Wait a second, <laughs> at Michael McDonald." Yeah. Uh, no, uh, but he, he he knows. It seems like most of those guys know. Holland Oates, Holland yes, Oates, because people I mean, ask them about it, and some of them are more receptive to being asked about it than others. Uh, I bet. Uh, Michael I, Michael McDonald did an interview where I think he said something like, uh, you know, he's kind of amused by it, and it's like having a stalker who has a little too much insight into you, even though they've never met you. Because he, he commented on, you know, obviously the storylines are completely fictional. Yes. But that they're... But they're but based they're on adjacent. actual trivia. Yeah. Yeah. And that you they hits on some truth that uh, it's... Yeah. Like, we'll get a little factoid here and there, and then we'll just build a, a an insane scene around it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how it must have happened, because it was insanely <laughs> dramatic how that went down. Right. Uh, and Hall and Oates, I think it might have been John Oates who said that he credits it to a With, revival in their career. Yes, yes. I, which yeah, is, I remember wow. reading that, that quote from John Oates, and I was like, John Oates, that guy gets it. Yeah. <laughs> Does he? John Oates, he <laughs> should. Absolutely. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Yes. For your yes, sake, he gets yeah. it. Yeah. 
but the Doobie Brothers is not obviously the Michael McDonald era of the Doobie Brothers is the Yacht Rock era, but I would yes. not characterize their first kind of half of their career. It's more of a acoustic-y biker band. Yeah, it's like they're a biker yeah. band, but they smoke a lot of weed, so they're chill. Like right. they're not super Wait, aggressive. The, the Doobie, Doobie Brothers. Brothers? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that must be the. Oh, okay, I uh, get it. Now. I gotta, I gotta go. I got it. <laughs> uh, I have talked about this before on the podcast, but it's such a terrible name. It's easily it one of the worst names really, of the, really bad. If you're looking at the most successful groups of all time. It is wild. They stick out. Because they're a good band, but that is such a bad name. And they don't particularly like it either. I yeah, mean, they should. The, the story I've heard is that it was, you know, they were living in the Bay Area and that they, some of them were living kind of in hippie-ish communal housing and there was just some dude who was their friend who suggested it because they wanted to change their name because they had potentially a worse name originally, oh, wait. which was, what was it? Pud. <laughs> P-U-D? P-U-D. Honestly... Oh, no. Pud's Pud, worse. Pud does not rock at all. <laughs> Pud's awful. Pud does and not. And now here's the latest <laughs> Grammy-winning soft rock smash from Pud featuring yeah. Michael McDonald. Yeah. Like Pud, Pud do- also Pud is a different band. Pud doesn't rock. Pud doesn't fuck. Like, Pud... Pud is that, that image of that weird organism that they, like, found in the sea that looks like... Do you know what I'm talking about? Where it just looks like it's frowning. And oh, it's yeah, just, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that fish meme thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a, that's w- a little Pud, white... Yeah. Egg thing, right. yeah. Like I would a say that's fleshy a fleshy egg. Uh, but a frown, a frowning fleshy egg. Okay, go. <laughs> I would love to hear just in terms of your personal connection to the group, what draws you in about the Doobie Brothers? All right. I mean, so obviously, I'm going to be biased towards the Michael McDonald era because mm-hmm. you know that's what made me internet famous. But uh, <laughs> it's um, like that's the point where like you start to see this sort of tree of influence from steely dan on soft rock where all the, like these guys who yeah. who graduated from steely dan session boot camp um start to leave the nest and go out and start making mu- making their own music uh with all that training behind them and it makes it it kind of turns soft rock from this like strummy acoustic you know campfire sing-along music for aging hippies into this, like, very polished, sophisticated, um, compositionally difficult uh, sort of art. Right. There's musicianship. At yeah. Play. There's musicianship. There's skill. There's technique. There's, like, there's all, like, the music does all sorts of things that, you know, your ears don't necessarily expect. But it's all in this kind of smooth, polished package. So if you're just listening to it as background music, you may not get it until you, like, really start paying attention. Like, like and that's kind of what the web series I think did for people is it put this music back in their ears and I was like oh ha 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 soft rock it's like cheesy and stuff, but then the more it sinks into your brain the more you realize like oh oh shit this is really good yeah like this is really good music <laughs> like expertly produced to yeah sound like these amazing. are really professional record makers like if, if you just listen to what a fool believes like there's so many little tiny bits of ear candy that that worm their way like you like you, you're still noticing little details on like the 10th listen mm-hmm. like oh i never it's, heard that little boopity boop line in candy. there before 
Um, it's layered ear candy. And we listen, yeah. like we have, everlasting gobstopper. <laughs> I did discover on this show that Michael McDonald was, was even was, in the Doobie was Brothers. Was in the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> right. Um, so Because I think of the Doobie Brothers as listen to the music era right, type right. stuff. And, and I did not know that What A Fool Believes was the Doobie Brothers. You just associated it like, with Michael Yeah, McDonald. I was like, it's Michael McDonald. Like, I just didn't think of it as being a Doobie Brothers. And I, 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 there's a moment from an earlier episode where I'm like in shock. You, like, yeah, we need I'm to like, slow down. Like, the Doobie Brothers? We need no. to break it like, down. What? <laughs> I Because they're such different bands. I mean... But when you listen to it, there is some then, like kind of core DNA that exists betwixt the two groups. And it's that kind of vocal harmony thing that was there in the beginning. Because there was one... There was a few consistent members throughout. I mean, right? Was, like Patrick Simmons was like there. Like the throughout. two brothers, Doobie. Yeah, like Patrick <laughs> like Doobie, Doobie and, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big Doobie, Little Doobie. <laughs> but in reference to the Steely Dan thing, Michael McDonald had been a singer, a vocalist, a studio session background vocalist, and you for can hear Steely him Dan. Uh-huh. in Peg. Yes, yeah. you can hear his voice pretty clearly. It's mm-hmm. if you if you're looking for it, <laughs> you can find it. And then he's the guy singing Peg. Yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can hear it in my head right now. I don't even have to. And then a the guitarist who was brought into the Doobie Brothers, Jeff Skunk Baxter. Jeff Skunk Baxter, oh, shortly before uh, Mike, yeah, Michael yeah, McDonald Skunk. joined. Right, yeah. And it was really him who brought Michael in because right. the original lead singer of the Doobie Brothers... Tom Johnston. Could, thank you. Yeah, he, he <laughs> We're just talking got in tandem. <laughs> yeah, Tom he, Johnston got sick. He got, he got kind of Wally pipped out of the uh, the Doobie Brothers. He was he was touring so much. That's a little sports reference for it. Yeah, yeah. Not, I, not I was just going to breeze by it. Like, <laughs> I didn't get it. Okay, yep, Wally Pipp. I assumed Wally Pipp was a guy who had a thing and then was not yep. a part Wally of the Wally Pipp was a first baseman for the New York Yankees who got sick one day and he got replaced by this kid named Lou Gehrig. Uh-oh. And Lou Gehrig went on to set the record for the greatest number of consecutive games played in in baseball history until like you know Cal Ripken broke it a few years until ago. Wally Pipp came back. <laughs> yeah, Wally Pipp waited like a hundred years. <laughs> I, I would like to do it. And until like... a, a disease got named after him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think I mean, Lou Gehrig's I, I, disease I, I, is bad? I say it. But wait till wait till you get Wally Pipp disease. Holy shit! <laughs> got Wally uh, Pipp. Okay, so so Jeff Skunk Baxter. Wait, Tell me, Johnston gets sick, and Tom Johnston like, sick can't tour, and they have they have touring dates to uh, that they're obligated to complete, and they also have. I mean, at this time, this is when if you're a band, you have to put out an album like every year. That's yeah, your and you got a tour behind it, and, and you play gigs all over the damn place. Johnston can't fulfill. And at what point of the Doobie Brothers career is this? Like, what songs have come out? What pretty kind of much all the ones seventy four, seventy five. Like this is this is like. There are no big Tom Johnston Doobie Brothers songs after this point. Right. So all all what you know as the what classic I just rock said, staples, the old it, ones. they've all happened. They're a okay. huge group at this point. Yes. But they are, I agree, they're like um, soft bikers, you know? They're, yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah, they're super chill bikers. Yeah. They're not aggressive. They're not aggressive. They're maybe on those little lowrider bikes. They're not on the big Harleys. They've got, you know, the big long handlebar yes, guys. Yes, they're, they're leaning they're back leaning as they're back. On, a, on, on a motorcycle. Or maybe they're on bicycles. No. <laughs> no? Okay. They're rooming around, but they just they don't need to be in front. 
making a big noise. I've seen the Doobie Brothers live, and I didn't remember this, but I was talking to my parents who were also there because I wow, was... Wow, you didn't remember because you guys were all just blazed? We were, oh, oh. We were token it. <laughs> but they seem to remember that Tom Johnston came out at the beginning of the concert on a motorcycle, <laughs> which I don't remember. Wait, Tom Johnston? So wait, okay. So the the Fill phases me in so so he gets so Tom goes Tom is ill uh-huh. and they need to keep not just touring but making records. Okay. So their guitarist Skunk brings in this guy he knows from Steely Dan. Yeah, Michael Skunk McDonald. used to be in Steely Dan. He does the guitar solo in Reeling in the Years. had decided we're going to stop touring we're just going to be a studio band and we're going to use session guys we don't like touring and skunk was like i'm a working musician i skunk need to like, be in a band to that tour. is touring i yeah. need to make money oh. so he joins the doobie brothers at that point starts to bring them into a new direction because he ha- he's a little more jazz influenced he's a- but you have to be to play with steely dan yeah even even in the early years you still have to like know what you're doing and then you know you're reeling in the years eventually <laughs> right uh <laughs> so he's he's already steering them down a kind of a new direction and then when a they need a singer he's like my old friend Mikey like McDee. 24, 25-year-old Michael McDonald. And then they start recording. They have to do a new album. I think Michael McDonald's surprised that, because it seems like he was brought in to fill in a hole, but he's part of the group now. <laughs> and then, what? I just love that he could be surprised. Surprised join a band. <laughs> yeah, like you're going you're gonna to stick with us. Yeah. Uh, Wait, and- but Tom gets better. Eventually. Yeah, eventually. So he doesn't get Lou Gehrig's all the way. He gets better, he gets in. Or, no, I'm sorry. He doesn't pi- I'm mixing he doesn't metaphors and doing a bad job. Yeah, yeah. So he gets back in, and he's like, okay. There's a brief moment where Tom is still kind of part of the band, and so is Michael McDonald. Oh. But then it becomes clear that Tom can't keep up because of both health, and also this Michael McDonald shit is taking off. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just say that talking about who's worthy for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a difficult thing to do because it's uh, subjective, right? How can you sure, yeah. how can you try to be objective about music? Uh, well, because I'm a dork, I came up with a list of categories. Uh, as we go through these categories, determine if we think the Doobie Brothers have a good shot because if you do well at these, I think you do. Uh, so let's take a break, and then when we come back, we will do just that. Sounds good. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break... That you had the beginnings of a tweet going viral, <laughs> Jesus. Interesting. <laughs> yes, the beginnings. You're going to make as much money as we did off of Yacht Rock with that viral tweet. <laughs> yep. And if anyone's listening to this, we won't have to explain what tweet it is. You've already seen it. You've shown it to your parents. All your friends are calling you on it's the phone. It's in a BuzzFeed list right now. I can't believe I was in the room for it. <laughs> so, uh, the Doobie Brothers first became eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the 1997 ceremony so what we're looking at now is 2020 they've they've waited quite a long time uh they have no connections to the hall that none of them have ever shown up as far as i know at any induction ceremony uh one thing to note is that people were expecting them to get a nomination soon because they signed in 2016 with 
uh, big shot music manager Irving Azoff. Ah. And it was kind of a public thing that he was like, or they were like, now that we're with Irving, we're going to try to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hmm. And he's a he's a major power player, and they are on the ballot. Didn't take super long. And how long? I'm sorry. How long have they been eligible? A Since long time. 1997. Was this considered a major snub at this point, or a minor two year, snub? Two year. I mean, if you want classic rock acts in the hall, there's not a ton left that aren't in. This is it. Sweeping if, out the 70s. Especially <laughs> with like the past few years that have been, we've seen the induction of bands like Electric Light Orchestra or Yes, Journey, Dire Straits, classic rock. Classic uh, rock radio staples. Yeah. Steve Miller, Chicago. It, now that it's, it seems like it, perhaps it could be the Doobie Brothers' turn. The dubes could be could be the, the year of the dubes. The dubes. Do they have a logo or anything? Yeah, kind of. It's like a, a red stylized V, and it says the Doobie Brothers in front of it. It looks more like transportation than marijuana. Some of the members of the Doobie Brothers didn't know it was a weed reference at oh first. Oh my gosh! They're. Uh, <laughs> I I'm looking up what the logo looks like right now. Originally, it's just them, like with a cursive. But I do see now the 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 other one with the. V. You know, I say the V. This is that's on the cover of the greatest. Yeah, Hits. and that's also I hate that. was I on the cover it's... of a shirt I used to wear. Yeah, I <laughs> perhaps really... it was a shirt I wore to the first day of high school. Oh boy, I'm going to tell you some things about I, that I don't like about this logo. I don't like the proliferation of the fonts. Yeah, I don't like I don't like that. Logo. I'm sorry, but this one is this is is this one you were kind of thinking about? No, I was thinking about the because uh, that one looks like a car. V. So maybe that isn't the. But honestly, my favorite one. I think this one is the classic. That bad, but it looks like a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Doobie Brothers it Bar and like Grill, Red Robin or something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's go through these categories for the Doobie Brothers. The first one is critical acclaim, a band that is not a critical darling. I would say. I would say not. And I think and I think that part of that is because like, you know, they have two very distinct phases in their career. The first phase, you know, they're not one of the most um innovative of the classic rock bands on on classic rock radio. And the second phase, I mean, soft rock just wasn't critically acclaimed like really at any point until I mean, I don't necessarily want to say that it's that it's what we did, but we kind of like. <laughs> but like, I'm not really aware. Like, you know, there there were a couple of people I worked with at the All Music Guide who were really into it and would take it seriously, but there wasn't really a big revival of interest in that style until we like made a comedy show out of it. Yeah, and then it kind of forced the culture to reassess potentially. Yes, yeah, it it forced a reassessment, and now to the point where there are articles in Rolling Stone who will. Uh, say that the term yacht rock is degrading and doesn't do the music justice. Rolling Stone no is the way, whole man. reason that we had to <laughs> reclaim it in the first place because they didn't take it seriously. And mm-hmm. also, hey, it's cool. A yacht, man? A damn boat? A yeah. yacht? Living That's the, like life. the coolest boat. <laughs> yeah, above the boat. Yeah, the bo- Top the, of the line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A of the yacht? Power okay. rankings of boats. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's towards the hey, top. Hey, on VH1's top boats of the 90s, <laughs> it's number one. So one of the ways we try to figure out critical acclaim is we look at these Rolling Stone lists. That's the closest we can get to like, okay, what did critics at large think about uh, a group? 
Do you guys think the Doobie Brothers make an appearance on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums of All Time? Um, well, let's talk about their albums. Yeah, can you so tell me? I need to know sure. some more stuff before yeah, I can work my magic. Their self-titled debut in 71 had no hits, kind of a flop. It wasn't until Toulouse Street, which was their second album that had a bunch of songs, you know, like Listen to Music, Rock Taking Down. it to Toulouse Street. Is it that? Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, so they just, they were kind of a one or two hits per album band. Right. With the Captain and Me, what were once vices uh, are now habits, Stampede, and then... Take- I think the Captain and Me is like the like considered the best of the Tom Johnson era, but even that one is the, not like necessarily... It's like a- the Captain and Me needs the woman in you. What's happening with this song? What is the Captain and Me? Oh, I mean, I don't know what the album title is referring to. Oh, that's the title of the album. That's yeah. not the name of the song. No. Okay, good. But the Maybe Captain- it's foreshadowing their eventually moving to Yacht Rock. Yeah. Oh. But then Something's taking it the to the air. streets is the first one that has Michael that McDonald, Michael McDonald on it. And then Living on the Fault Line is kind of the middle album before you get to Minute by Minute, which was the huge three times platinum Michael McDonald Grammy winning album. Chart topping. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, for my money, that's the best one top to bottom. And even on that one, there's like a little bit of filler. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, a, as a, as a, as a Yacht Rock album, it's pretty much a masterpiece, but <laughs> I'm not sure that that's enough to get it. On the definitive the, 500 the list. Rolling Stone 500. The songs from Minute by Minute are Minute by Minute and What a Fool Believes, it seems. Is there anything else that that's? Was I mean, those are the big that? ones, yeah. Okay. And that's 78. Huh. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because I think of that as such an 80s sound. Like, well, because like, I think that music set the template for a lot of soft Toto. 80s rockers. Yeah, for Toto. Was, oh, man. <laughs> Just in, in, in uh, like, me and the other Yacht Rock fellows have been doing a podcast. We just wrapped it up uh, for about three and a half years called Beyond Yacht Rock, where we we ended up talking about Yacht Rock more often than not. But we found, like, there's got to be at least 50 songs, maybe like 100, that just rip off that piano riff from What a Fool Believes. Yeah. Like, and, Robbie Dupree, that oh, one's yeah. the most egregious. Yeah. That, yeah. The song is called Steal Away for a reason. And... Uh, <laughs> Like just that one song gets ripped off so many times, and then the, then you know you add in like the the feel, like the kind of that the kind the of vibing mid tempo groove that you hear on minute by minute, and like just this is this is so much a blueprint for so much of the music in that style that followed, and it doesn't get necessarily the um, the, the credit, recognition yeah. that it needs because everything it influenced wasn't all that respected critically or, or even a little bit cool. I yeah. Am- yeah. And they, yeah, that's the other thing. It wasn't cool. They weren't doing the kind of rock and roll that projects the image you want to make people think you're awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so funny because even just hearing that song in my brain right now, I'm like, this song kicks ass. fun song mm-hmm. right it's the most fun song it makes you 
want to get on a yacht get on a yacht with your best friends with your best friends put on a captain's hat pop a bottle of champs and set towards the sun set sail um, all right what do you guys think rolling stone list do they have okay. an album on there now if they did it would be minute by minute it sounds like but okay. you know i'm feeling like i'm feeling from our critic over here and i'm also feeling from my own that there isn't a high enough concentration mm-hmm. um i think that they have a better uh, they, I mean, and again, because they were not that critically acclaimed, it leads me to believe that, especially in the album category, they might could they might could get a song. So you're gonna say no but for I album? I think no album. Oh my god, I'm Steve. I um, I'm also gonna say no. Like I went back and I looked at our at our all music guide entries for them, and we would obsessively go over which historically canonized albums deserved uh, like a full five star rating. And we didn't give any to the Doobie Brothers, not even the Greatest Hits collection. Wow. So I'm going to say no, there's nothing in the Rolling Stone 500. You guys are correct. There is no appearance on pretty much any definitive Rolling Stone list. What about Rolling Stone's top 40 soft-sational albums? Somehow somehow (laughs) (laughs) snubbed across the board. They they didn't make the soft-sational chart? So so one of the things that I think is kind of a a mark against the Doobie Brothers is that maybe they don't have any classic albums like with a capital C. Yeah, like they don't have that top-to-bottom masterpiece that you usually look... I mean, especially for a band that was popular during the album rock era. Mm -hmm. They don't have that one shining moment in terms of their album discography. And if we've learned anything, if I've learned anything from this (laughs) podcast, and I have learned a lot, sadly, uh, it is that it only takes one album mm-hmm. like there are bands that only have one album but it is a top but holy to bottom. shit what an album yeah odyssey and, and oracle and that's that's like, a, that you can create an entire legacy off of yeah. one incredible album yeah and so the doobie brothers were a, an incredible singles group in the era of album rock right yeah that's a good way to put it and they i mean their their greatest hits went diamond went 10 times platinum so i think that kind of says it all Diamond. Again, uh, very Yacht Rock. (laughs) Truly. Uh, The next category, and like I said, this will be a good one for them, recognizable songs. Yeah. Iconic recognizable songs. So I I did, I was just... um, Looking at their Spotify? Looking at their Spotify. While I was was sharing personal details about my life you didn't care about. You don't share anything about your life, Joe. I said I wore a Doobie Brothers shirt (laughs) on the first day of high school. (laughs) No reaction from Kristen. (laughs) Normally would have been a thing where she'd be like, that's insane. In 2005, you wore a Doobie Brothers shirt to the first day of high school? who you wanted to be. It's insane. (laughs) And you were looking at a list, so you didn't want to engage, so you didn't have to engage. I was just looking at. I was looking. Yeah, whatever. Okay, the wait, moment wait, passed. No, no. Now we're back <laughs> in it. Tell me what did. What was the reaction? Did anybody? Did people think you smoked pot? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> really? Yeah, of because course. Because you wore that. Yeah. And I'm just <laughs> kind of you like. You did not uh-huh. smoke pot, no, though, I did right? Not. No. Um. Did anybody know it was a band? Uh, not not my peers. <laughs> the teachers did. <laughs> could you Could you have gotten in trouble for the word no, doobie I being on I your shirt? Public school wasn't a big deal. Um, and also, that's who you wanted people to think of you as. I was like, I I just saw this. Was it because cool you saw them band. in concert? Yeah, I got it. I got it at the show. So it was just kind of like, oh, something I did this did summer. Did they have the tour dates on the back? Uh, it might have. Was it just the dupes or who were they with? Were Ooh, they at a county the, fair? Or the something? opener. No, this was at the Icy Light Amphitheater. Yes. Uh, in Pittsburgh, and the opener was Jefferson Starship. Wow. And they were in bad shape. Ooh. Got Paul Cantner Jefferson, sitting down as he's playing. 
Uh, yeah, Jefferson bad shape. Yeah, not good. <laughs> Perfect pun. <laughs> you know, I nailed it. <laughs> All right. So if I if we're talking the the biggest songs uh, from the Doobie Brothers career, and, and we'll start with the Tom Johnston era, I think listen to the music. Probably their most popular. It has the most plays on Spotify. Mm-hmm. their first breakout hit it was almost like they were saying here comes some songs <laughs> this is our first one listen to the music yeah. and then from there please keep listening yep, yeah they're riding their more. they're riding their bikes nice and slow through town and then also from that same album toulouse street uh rocking down the highway And then the other big hit from Toulouse Street is Jesus is Just Alright. I do know that song. As you do, and I do, because we're good Christians. Mm. And we sing it at church the church you and i go to every yeah, sunday the one where we say jesus you know all those churches where they're like jesus is just all right he's okay he's, he's all fine. right you know how it is you, you know, know how man. religion doesn't take J- jesus very seriously he's whatever honestly i'm part of a very chill church we keep <laughs> we, we go keep to chill it. church and it's chill uh and then so then the captain in me was china grove whoa Listen to the music. <laughs> <laughs> They're big on woes. Yeah, they yeah. know what sells. <laughs> and then Long Train Running. How does Long Train Running go? Which is the song you might think of as Without Love. And then Blackwater. That's which my was favorite. Their first number one hit. That's that one. I remember the outro to it. I just loved when that. They, they sing in the round. The acapella singing in the round ending, very, you know, pretty mama and just kind of like very honky tonkish. I'd like to hear some funky Dixieland, pretty mama, come and take me by the hand. I want to hang take me by the hand, pretty mama, come and dance with your daddy all night long. I'd like to hear some funky Dixieland, pretty mama, come and take me by the hand. It was a B-side. Really? And they were not expecting it. And it just got sl- the B-side to what? Um, I believe a song called Another Park, Another Sunday. Uh-oh. Uh, and Flip that one over. The sequel to Chicago, Saturday <laughs> in the Park. Yeah, and they're like, what about this other park? <laughs> <laughs> On a different day of the yeah, weekend. Yeah, <laughs> the next day. Uh, yeah, so then uh, it was one of those things that cannot happen anymore. I think it was Roanoke, Virginia, some radio station... Uh, happened upon it and they were playing it and the the board lit up they always say the board lit up uh but we have to take their word for it and then it went to number one 
It was yeah. their first number one hit. That's a it's a great song. I like it a lot. And then their kind of last hit before the Michael McDonald era was like a Motown cover of Take Me in Your Arms. Take me in your arms. Song. I like that song. And it's one of the songs that Michael McDonald was able to sing, and it sounded good when he took over lead singer duties for them. Yeah, because he had those blue-eyed soul roots, and then he went through Steely Dan like jazz vocal boot camp, and and came out the other end as like a really really skilled vocalist. Mm-hmm. And later in his career, did a lot of a lot Motown of Motown covers. covers. So it kind of fit. That's into... like his. That's like his way of getting to the Rod Stewart Great American Songbook type <laughs> yeah. of career phase right the legacy singer yeah how how old was he when he joined steely dan uh he was never officially a member of steely dan he was just like a guy that they knew who could sing really well so they brought him in to do background vocals on a lot of sessions and even after he was in the doobie brothers he kept doing all these background vocal sessions uh, for tons and tons of people yeah i mean peg was post him joining the doobie brothers yeah oh cool yeah so he he kept to his roots, <laughs> and yet Michael McDonald must be very—I mean, he's always very talented, but he also must be a very nice guy. Yeah, I think he, he works, just likes yeah. to sing. You yeah. know what I mean? I he think works he's with not. Sure, I'll come sing on your yeah, record. He's yeah. like, sure, I love singing. It's my favorite. <laughs> like he just gets out there. Does. So let, let's get to the Michael McDonald era. Then the big songs are taking it to the streets. <laughs> I would throw It Keeps You Running in there. It's in Forrest Gump. Do you know at what point it's in Forrest Gump? Is he running? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Robert Zemeckis likes to do that kind of shit. That's cool, man. Just Sometimes this... it's good to just be super on the nose. <laughs> yeah. That was not one of those times. <laughs> uh, and then minute by minute, you have the title track. then you have but you could argue the biggest song i mean it, it went to number one and won grammys what a fool believes Like, that's their masterpiece. Like, they don't have an album masterpiece, but that one single is a fucking masterpiece. That song is so good. It's, yeah, it's really excellent. It's a great song. There's just no argument. (laughs) Don't try to say anything bad about it. It's a great song. It's a a genre-defining song. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, And so, if you kind of, for that category, you take a look at all those songs... 
I just mentioned. Was that kind of the apex then? Is what a fool believes? Did they do anything after that? No, there's really there, nothing. There were there was starting to be uh, kind of a rift between the the McDonald wing of the band and the old school Ooh. guys, and like they didn't really like the new audience they were drawing and mm-hmm. the new style so much, and and even between uh, Skunk and Michael, there started to be. I mean, I think Michael Michael kicked him out. Whoa, they were not agreeing. Michael kicked out Skunk. Because Skunk wanted Skunk to, he wanted in, to be man. a little more avant-garde and a little more experimental. Oh, and McDonald, a jazz guy, you really can't take that away from him. <laughs> and McDonald was was you know he he had this stuff that sounded a certain way in his head and was probably a little bit of a perfectionist and wanted to keep it relatively tight and they they kind of butted heads because of that. Skunk needs to noodle, man. He Do needed you, to noodle. May, maybe this is where I bring this up, but uh, Steve, are you familiar with what Skunk's doing now? Yeah, he's he works for the Department of Defense in some capacity. <laughs> the he's current a, Department of Defense? Well, oh, across administrations, but like I think it kind of started in the Bush era. He's a defense consultant. He's yeah. really into missiles. I hate this. Yeah, it's awful. You know, I'm not into missiles. That's something about me I don't... You've talked I, about it on the podcast a I lot. I am not into missiles. I'm anti-missile. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't like missiles, man. It's wild that being in a band called the Doobie Brothers does not disqualify you from working for the Department of Defense. From getting security clearance. Yeah, I mean, like, that is truly... And they're, they are anal retentive about who gets security clearance. Yeah. Like... You 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 basically have to have never done anything in your life. Skunk is like buddies with Dana Rohrbacher, and it's, that guy is the actual worst. Yeah, I helped to unseat him. Oh, congratulations! And I did. I knocked doors for Harley Ruda for eight weeks in last uh, October. Skunk I'm, considered I, running for office, yeah. but it would have been like in the valley where he would have gotten crushed because he would have run as a Republican. Yeah, right. well, and here's the thing about Dana Rohrbach. Oh, he just, he was the worst. Skunks visited, Skunks visited the Trump White House. Okay, next. I don't <laughs> like that. Next category. That is un-rock and roll. No, it's extremely That is not extremely rock and roll. Un-rock and roll. He now, loves. Now, do the dubes give their music to the, to the Trumps? You know, do they let him play it at the Oh, I don't know that the they rallies? want to. I would assume no, but I mean, I would skunk, also assume no. With skunk, anything. I mean, I don't know, but you got skunk in the trunk over here. I know. Well, skunk <laughs> is no longer a member of the Doobie Brothers, okay. so. Oh, he got kicked out by Michael McDonald, and you know what? Now I approve. <laughs> <laughs> We're team he, Michael. Maybe if he would have stayed in, then he wouldn't have gone down the missile path. Hmm. I don't know. If he was out there being like, how can we responsibly use less missiles? I'd be like, okay. I don't think that's it. (laughs) I think it's like, why aren't these pussies using more missiles? He's really into technology, and that was what got him into the the defense stuff. Like, How can these other technologies be used to like do different stuff? Like, Maybe they could be used to kill people. Yeah. Not chill. That's decidedly unchill. Yeah, my man Skunk. His name's Skunk, and he's in the Doobie Brothers. That's like double dipping with your weed references, <laughs> right? And yet he and was. And yet he's over there around. palling around with Dana Rohrbacher, <laughs> who is legitimately like Russian buddies. Like he's been taking Russian money since before it was cool. <laughs> uh, he is not yeah. a chill guy. <laughs> uh, let's go to the next category. Next category is commercial success. This is one, obviously. They had and so many albums yeah, they went were, platinum. And they were commercially successful in both phases of their career. I mean, I think 
it's in the tens of millions of albums sold. And so many albums went platinum. Some of them went several times platinum. And like the greatest hits went diamond. Diamond. And then kind of what we've been talking about, I think this is uh, the next category is a good one for the Doobie Brothers, which is longevity. Mm-hmm. The fact right, that, yeah. I mean, they have it. They have it. Sh- either era, you could maybe make a case for Rock Hall induction, especially that first era, which kind of checks the boxes for what you want from a classic rock group. But the fact that they evolved into something else that felt different and was even more successful, that I think is what gives them a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame career. Yeah, I I, I agree. If you just look at each phase, like it's maybe a little dicey if you just look at one or the other. Yeah. But I think the whole body of work together is what really like they 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 did two pretty different things and they were good at both of them. It's true. Next category is innovation slash influence, which I don't think is an obviously great category for them. Sweeping out the seventies, but I do I, particularly you don't need not to in be the first influential phase. anymore, baby. You just had to have some hits on the radio, which you know, <laughs> there, and there's mer- there's merit to that. No, I know, uh, but. Yeah, it's it's hard to think, especially with that first era. Like, what band do you what ever hear? Like, I learned to play guitar by listening to Doobie Brothers records. Like, nobody really says that. No, but not quite. you did but, say that a million songs. You know, the the song that birthed a million songs is what a fool believes. Exactly. Right. It's this. Yeah. It's the second phase of their career that is that's the one I would call influential. And you know, like I like I alluded to before, it's a lot of what they influenced was not critically respected. There's just not anybody going. I was like, oh yeah, you can hear their influence on like Ambrosia and Robbie Dupree, and, and <laughs> you know, like you can trace all those threads if you if you really delve into that stuff. But there just aren't that many people delving into that stuff mm-hmm. and and calling it like worthy of a historical canonization, you know. Last category, potentially the most important category, and a category that they ace. Does my mom know who they are? Honey, and she took you to the show. She, she took me <laughs> she took me to the show and uh also she prefers the Tom Johnston era. I'll give you that little huh. tidbit. I think my mom probably would prefer the Tom Johnston era as well. Steve, does your mom know the Doobie Brothers? I would assume yes. She does because I hosted a web series about them. <laughs> her her taste was more... Um, she, she listened to a lot of oldies and the stuff that came after that really early rock and roll era. She liked a lot of crooners like Bobby Vinton and uh, oh, sure. later on Barry Manilow. She got me really into Barry Manilow when I was a kid. Ooh, what a terrible thing Ooh, to do, a, a child. Cool thing. Yeah, wow, awesome. <laughs> My dad was like the cool rock and roll dude who like Chuck Berry, Buddy Holly, uh, uh-huh. early Beatles, like all, all that stuff was his stuff and he would play it for us on long car trips. But my mom's legacy musically to me is Barry Manilow who God I saw damn. at the Hollywood Bowl this summer this summer this summer how was he he still got it man god damn Barry Barry I mean I grew up with Barry Manilow being just such a cultural icon joke do you know what oh, I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah he's a punchline uh, he's such a punchline that I truly I mean I know the song Mandy because it factors heavily into the plot of can't hardly wait okay. a movie that i like a lot um but i don't know and then what i know i i write the songs that make the whole world and, sing uh, her name was lola, lola. She was a show oh yeah, oh, yeah. Copa Copa Cabana. Cabana. yeah right but like yeah i don't know 
I don't, I couldn't tell you. He's Put him in. All right. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> who cares? It's time for our verdict. Should the Doobie Brothers be inducted in the Rock Hall of Fame? Will they? Will it be this year? Kristen, what do you think? Doobie think the Doobie Brothers. Do we Doobie? Doobie think the Doobie Brothers should be in the Rock and Roll Hall. Quickly, thing. there's a lot of jokes like that saying Doobie Doobie when the Doobie Brothers were on. What's happening? The oh, sitcom. What? Yeah. <laughs> see they've see they've got crossover. <laughs> yeah. Right. What? The Doobie Brothers, the Michael McDonald era Doobie Brothers were on an episode, two-parter episode of What's Happening. Yeah. What Michael was McDonald it? was going on Soul Train, too. Like okay. they, were, they, were, they had R&B Quick listeners question. in their audience. I felt like we had to mention that, What was that, yeah. happening on What's Happening with so the Doobs? So the band comes back to their alma mater, the high school, <laughs> where the What's Happening kids uh, go to, and Rerun uh, is kind of bullied into recording the concert to bootleg it, <gasps> and then he dro- like drops the camera camera and then the doobie brothers get mad but then they talk to him and then and then they're like we're gonna stick it to those bullies who try to get you to do this and it's a it's a real caper wow all right yeah but there's a lot of jokes and it's of, an anti-pirating <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> anti-piracy <laughs> they were they were metallica before metallica yeah. but there's a lot of jokes like uh which doobie do you be you know oh hell yeah i should watch this <laughs> so, yeah. and i might i might like that it's available on crackle <laughs> <laughs> all right i i interrupted okay. you verdict oh my gosh Kristen, what do you, think? you know here's the stuff Ugh, we're sweeping out the 70s the doobie brothers they're kind of the last creditable band the thing about it is is i do think you should have some kind of influence to really be you know make it in making it in the the hall you know making it in the <laughs> hall but uh i don't know i guess they i i, I won't be angry if they get in mm-hmm. I, and i so you should, like the songs yeah i like the songs i'm just not like this has to happen i sure sure they should but i, I ambivalent about their inclusion i do think that they will because of because we are sweeping out the 70s and because of the demographic uh, involved and because of the number of hit songs that they had. Yeah. Like their popularity and also their popularity with older white men, mm-hmm. uh, I think is uh, bodes very well for them. Yeah. And then and the with fact... The voting body. And with the voting body. Will they get in this year? I think they have a good shot because of... I mean, just based on whatever weird online chatter I somehow get <laughs> roped into in my mentions. In your periphery, yeah. Uh, sometimes it, it feels like they're, it just feels like they have, a, it, it could happen for them this year. I, I don't, I don't know for sure that it will, but I think, I think it's, it's going to happen within the next five years for them. Okay. That's what I think. Nice. Wow. An informed opinion yet again. Steve, should they, will they, when, and will it be this year? Uh, obviously, I think they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were on my ballot, and they made me inter- internet famous indirectly. <laughs> I owe them. Uh, but um, yeah, I I think I think they will. I don't know whether it'll be whether it will be this year, but I think there like you know like you were saying there is an appetite to continue to put those kind of classic rock bands in the hall. Um, and if they do make it, it probably won't be for the reasons that I think they should be in, because the classic rock guys are all going to listen to you know those radio stables from early in the mm-hmm. career. Um, but I mean, I think, I think out of all the, uh, 
of all the, the like the core yacht rock acts that we that we've covered on our, on our show, it's I think they've got the best case. I think they've got they're more likely to make it than say Kenny Loggins or uh, <laughs> yeah. or Toto or uh-huh. definitely Christopher Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, Boz Skaggs, I would throw in there too. Like the Doobies have the best case to get in. And then you have to call them the doobies and the doobies. Like, what are we gonna do? The doobies. What are we gonna do? All right. Well, uh, and I hope they do get in this year. I don't want to chance them <laughs> having to get another nomination down the road. Like, let's strike while the iron is hot here. And Isaac, get them in. Asimov. Wait, no, not Isaac Asimov. Who's the guy? Who's Irving the, Azov. Irving Azov. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac Asimov. Isaac Asimov, famed science fiction writer. I think the Doobie Brothers should get in. I think especially because they had two phases, I think that is what makes them worthy. They have a lot of songs that people still know after all this time. And I do think the mu- the musicianship is strong within that group. Uh, Particularly in the second phase. Mm-hmm. And with Michael McDonald, is a he's a Hall of Fame vocalist. I think they will get in, and I think it will be this year. I would bet on it. Be- just because they really personify exactly what the voting body has gone for recently they're the most pure classic rock act on the ballot this year And they don't have a lot of competition in that area other than todd rundgren and benatar i mean benatar Benatar. is super classic rock yeah but i think of benatar as more 80s i think of like 70s rock artists i think of there's really only two that are in the same type of category and it's rundgren and Mm -hmm. uh the dupes yeah, for sure. I think it's going to happen this year. Now, they have said which band members will be inducted. There have been a lot of band members in and out of what the Doobie Brothers. What about Skunk? Is he in? Skunk is included. I don't want him in then. I, you know what? <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, but Skunk the- is not in with Steely Dan. Like Steely Dan, they, they discounted the early band members and just put in Donald Fagan and Walter Becker. Well, right. I hope Skunk took it personally. <laughs> well, he's going to, yeah, he'll get in. So yeah, funny. I hope Skunk's pissed. <laughs> Doobie Brothers were a, a double drummer band. <laughs> they had Hell two, yeah. two drummers at, at any given point. So there's a bunch of drummers. Uh, John Hartman was the original drummer, and then a guy named Michael Hosick, and then Keith Knudsen are being included. Tyran Porter, uh, who's the only non-white member so of the classic be sure lineup, to try to figure out a way to not get him. In. <laughs> yeah. But didn't that happen? At the the oh. Then Lizzie is it? Then no, Lizzie no, no, no. T Rex. T Rex has yeah. Gloria Jones. But Had Gloria Jones as a member, the, but she's not she's included not with the official list. The list. Uh, and then there's uh, Tom Johnston, Patrick Simmons, and then Skunk, Michael McDonald, and that is uh, pretty much everyone there, including there was a late period of the Michael McDonald era where they replaced a bunch of people. Guys like Cornelius Bumpus. Oh, yeah. Uh, Classic name. Classic name. (laughs) What? We're not with them for very long. One guy from that era, John McPhee, is being included because he's still with the group and has been since they reunited in the 90s. Cornelius Cornelius Bumpus? Cornelius Bumpus, R.I.P. Also, if you could imagine, 
also a black man. Hell yeah. <laughs> it would be insane. <laughs> There's a white guy named Cornelius Bumpus. That would be so awesome. Um, but Either yeah, the, way, I'm changing my name tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> the, those dudes from the late era. I'm changing my name. <laughs> of, right now. <laughs> the dubes uh, have not been included. But I think the members they chose, was that's about correct in terms of who's definitively in like the classic uh, era of that group. Who this is kind of a stumper for me. Who inducts the Doobie Brothers? Like who gives the speech inducting them? I I was kind of I wanted to be Kenny Loggins. Yeah, I mean that would be interesting. It's it's because whenever you think of someone, at least when I think of someone, I wanted to be the groundhog from um, from Caddyshack. From Caddyshack. <laughs> <laughs> whenever I I try to think of someone, they feel too connected to just one phase. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, does Kenny Loggins give a shit about the first phase of the Doobie Brothers? I don't know. He could pretend, I suppose. Sure. Who's like a modern... See, this is where you get in trouble with their influence. Right, for sure. This is really where you get in trouble. To think of someone like now, here's how I feel. I think... It's like Robin Thicke going to induct Tim Heidecker? (laughs) Yeah, right? I'll just throw that out there. um, Darius... That would be cool. If they got... Tim, Tim from Tim and Eric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it could be, like, a Tim's very... Tim's done soft rock albums. Yeah, and also, just, like, that would be, like, a way to connect with the, the youth, dare I say In it. In a sense. Um, trying to think of, like, who feels like a new-ish Doobie Brothers band. I thought of Hootie and the Blowfish, to this me. This is rude. <laughs> That's just so rude. No, it's not. Darius Rucker inducts them. I mean, if you can't find anybody else, I just <laughs> here's, here's the other here's the other thing though. They could kind of step outside of rock and roll uh, and go to a country artist because the Doobie Brothers did do an album that was like half tribute, half teaming up with country artists. Which, for a lot of their songs, makes sense. You can hear Blackwater. That's yeah, been covered that's by mostly country, country mm-hmm. artists. Our, our song. Here's it's a called so- Southbound. Here's a pitch. Yes. Michael McDonald inducts them. Self-induct. Self-induct. <laughs> uh, but, like, Zach Brown. Good old Zach Brown. Zach be- Brown, Blake Shelton, Brad Paisley. Or- it would be weird, though, because they're such a not... Like, the, the Rock Hall I know. does not cater to country artists but at if all. you need someone who's this famous you weird. pick blake shelton i mean this is weird also they did do one of those weird cmt crossroads episodes do you remember talking about this no it's where cmt still does this they'll take someone not from the country world oh yeah and someone from the country world and then they do a concert together yes we first talked about this because def leppard did a concert with taylor swift yes which is weird yeah especially because she was like 19 at the time singing, uh, singing pour, pour some, some sugar, sugar on, me. on me but the doobie brothers did a concert with luke bryan is that a, that's a country a, artist a country man okay he's one of those bro country artists oh boy yeah he's got a hat yeah, where's getting... a, a baseball cap <laughs> oh, okay. not a, not a cowboy saying, hat i'm like where's a baseball oh, cap cool joke. yeah yeah the country guy's he's that got a country hat. guy with a hat you know oh, come on <laughs> is he also white uh, uh you know got someone got kind of a twangy voice <laughs> someone who could do Plays it guitar is uh carly simon Okay. Oh yeah, because yeah, because Why? she she and Michael McDonald so co-wrote "You Michael Belong McDonald. to Me." The song "You Belong to Me" is is written by Michael McDonald and Carly Simon, and both the Doobie Brothers and Carly Simon recorded it. And the backup band when she did it was the Doobie Brothers. Is Carly and she involved? had the bigger hit with it. 
She did have the bigger hit with it, and Carly is not in the Carly hall. Carly is no. not in the hall. See, so yeah, I know that could she be was, maybe she was in my draft. that could make her. You know this. <laughs> she what? I picked her for the draft. You picked Carly Simon? Yes. I do not recall. It was not long ago. Nope. I don't my remember God. that. I was too blinded by your Sade pick. But um, if, oh, if, if they do Carly Simon, then it feels then like that the bodes next well year for her. she would get in. This is Joan Jett right there. Yeah. That's how she gets in. Mm. All right, do it. Carly. That's who I I vote Carly. It's, the, but it's hard you know, to pick. I know nothing stays the same, but if I you're mean, willing I to don't play think, the game. I don't think Donald Fagan would do it. Uh, he, he when Steely Dan accepted their induction, they were uh, kind of blasé about it. As, as one would expect yeah. from Steely Dan. I just I can't see. I mean, Fagan would give a good speech. He would he, yeah, probably he be if if he if he felt like doing it, he would give a good speech. Yeah, if he, he would... cared enough about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to begin with, <laughs> which you know he doesn't. Right? Uh, if they, my man, if they get inducted, <laughs> right. uh, what songs do they play at the concert? They play. They open with "Listen to the of course Music." Course, they do listen to the music, and they close with "What a Fool Believes." I think they have to do "What a Fool Believes." And in the then twixt. they would do maybe one or two other ones. I would guess it would be Blackwater. Yes. That makes sense. And Maybe then, Blackwater's the jam. Everyone learns a harmony part. They sing it in the round. <laughs> good, good Lord, what's happening? <laughs> I'm uh, just extrapolating. Yeah. I'm having fun. And then I would say probably China Grove mix. Yeah, or maybe that's, taking that's, it to the no, street. Taking like it to the street. Oh yeah, or minute got, by minute. Because I I bet McDonald will show up. Yeah, I bet they'll all be there. He loves to sing. He'll show up. <laughs> so I mean, I think the the four song set list that represents their career the best is probably Listen to the Music, Blackwater. Or taking it to the streets and what a fool believes. Hell yeah! And that and yep, I would enjoy good picks. Good picks. I would all. enjoy watching it. Uh, if they get inducted, Steve, do you think you'll go to the ceremony? Wait, where is the ceremony? This year it's in Cleveland. This year it's in Cleveland. Okay. Every other year they go Cleveland, Brooklyn. Mm, what if we, what if we're going and we'll be your friend? Yeah, <laughs> that that that's a point in, in favor of going then. Perfect. All right, I'm going to say you're going. Okay. Because they'll, pro- they'll probably be, get inducted. It would be extremely... Because te- I've never been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, that's another reason to that go. That would be a reason to go. To just go to Cleveland, just to go to the museum, I think would be a bad idea. But if there's also the concert and you could go to the museum... Right. And I could show up wearing a Michael McDonald t-shirt. Yes. Right. Perfect. As you are right now. Uh, yeah, right. I dressed oh, for the wow. occasion. Oh, I, you know, it had a, it was like wrinkled in the uh, uh, place, the and now I can see him. There's, uh-huh. there's his likeness. It's done a beautiful in a t-shirt. shirt. Uh, well, Steve, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Oh, thank you for, for having me. It was great. I, I really enjoy. I love nerding out about this stuff. As do we, um, or at least mm-hmm. as do I. <laughs> and Kristen is also here. <laughs> and I. I am here. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to plug anything you would like to, your social media or whatever else you got going on. Uh, me and my Yacht Rock chums have just recently wrapped our uh, our podcast called Beyond Yacht Rock. We make up a new genre of music every episode and count down the top 10 songs in it. And we did 100 of those episodes. We also did 100 mini-sodes where people on Twitter would ask us, hey, is this song Yacht Rock or not? <laughs> yacht so, or not? Yacht or niat. Oh, great! Yacht or niat mini cells. We ended up doing a hundred of those as well. Wow. We're trying to we're trying to get something together that requires less research than our original format, but we're still kind of working on that. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. You <laughs> how, can, how can I how can I keep doing this but work less? It, that's pretty much what the question was because yeah. we all enjoyed podcasting, uh, but. 
Like, I am the only one who's unmarried and childless, so there's a certain uh, scheduling issue that arises. No doubt. When you're trying to put together something that's actually good, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we're working on getting something else together. You can follow the at Yacht Rock account on Twitter, which is run by, uh, JD Riznar, the main writer of the Yacht Rock web series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. You can follow me on Twitter at Hollywood Steve H. Perfect. Because I am a late social media adopter on every platform <laughs> and somebody has already taken my name by the time I get there. So Hollywood Steve H. Gotta have H that H there. Gotta have Hollywood the H. Hollywood Steve without the H, you're gonna get somebody different. Yeah. Somebody, and you're, I don't think you're, you're gonna not like gonna him. get the content you I crave. I don't think you're gonna like regular Hollywood Steve. No, 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 no. That guy, that guy doesn't live in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, and you can follow us at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter. RockHallPod at gmail.com is the email. If you want Kristen to read it, uh, you're gonna have to designate that somewhere in there. Otherwise, she'll never see it. Uh, my Comedy Central half hour stand-up special airs Friday, November 8th at 11 p.m. Please watch that or I am never allowed on TV ever again. Uh-oh. Uh, that's a new rule. <laughs> They're going to kick me off. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only. Uh, if you're leaving a review because of this episode, say Cornelius Bumpus. Thank you for that. Yes. So we know you listen to this episode. Thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusu Kim for the music. Thank you to Joey Devine for the equipment. Thank you to Chad Briggs and Dave Schilling for letting us record in the home that I share with them. And of course, thank you to Pantheon Podcasts for hosting us. Thank you again, Hollywood Steve. I'm Joe Guzala. I'm Kristen Stuttered. And who cares about the Rock Hall? Welcome to Woodstock Nation. Your host, Marla Davies. Hey, it's Marla Davies. Welcome to Woodstock Nation. Celebrating the revolution, evolution, and life-changing magic of music festivals from Woodstock to today. Each week I bring you interviews, recollections, and stories from musicians, concert promoters, influencers, music lovers, and festival goers about their love of music the magic of music festivals and the power that music has that keeps bringing people out to celebrate together as a tribe. Since Woodstock, there have been so many festivals and it'd be hard fought to find somebody who hasn't been to one. Coachella, Bonnaroo, Outside Lands, Lockin', Lollapalooza, The Warp Tour, Bottle Rock, Cali Roots Day on the Green, Live Aid, The Us Festival, and Woodstock. What all these festivals have in common are the people who come out with one mission to let go, have a good time, join together, make memories, and listen to music and dance. That's the magic of music festivals. We've interviewed original Woodstock artists, musicians, and festival goers, and are looking forward to connecting with more people who resonate with the vibe. If you've ever enjoyed yourself at a music festival, you'll love Woodstock Nation. Check out Woodstock Nation on the Pantheon Podcast Network and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marla Davies for Woodstock Nation. Peace. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 